Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. Hey, it's Chase, and welcome back to episode 82 of the On the Table Gaming Podcast. Uh, it's been some a few crazy months here um, with COVID-19 hitting, and, uh, you know, it's not been a great time for getting games physically on the table, but I'm excited to talk to George from Three Cells Gaming, who started up a great YouTube channel that's been doing amazing faction breakdowns. Head on over there and check them out if you can. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited just to talk to him about what he's been up to and, and his love of the game. And so without further ado, let's jump in. And uh, George, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me here, Chase. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Well, it's been really exciting to see your coverage of A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game, and I really appreciate you coming on here. You know, you've recently been doing some amazing charity streams. I really want to get into talking a lot about that. But before we do that, a lot of times, you know, if you haven't seen Three Cells Gaming content, although I find that hard to believe at this point, <laughs> make sure you check out his YouTube channel and Twitch streams. But, you know, maybe getting a little bit of the, we see you talking about the game a lot. I thought it might be cool to get to know a little bit more about you and your background and then talk about some of the cool projects that you're working on and things you've got coming in the future. Yeah, man, hit me with it. I'm here. That's what I'm here to talk about. I am a shameless self-promoter, so I'm always happy to talk about myself. <laughs> How did you get into gaming in general? What was your what was your journey to playing what you're playing now, Song of Ice and Fire? Uh, so um, I suppose like a lot of people, you know, I was like a 10-year-old, well, 9, 10-year-old boy. And... I walked past a games workshop one time and I was like, oh, that's so cool, man. That's that's really, really cool. Went into the shop, kind of just fell in love with the idea of kind of tabletop modeling. Problem that I had at the time was you know, I grew up really, really poor. So it wasn't something that I could buy into. And I, I've, I spoke about this on the Small Council Radio podcast before. It's like... I'd be lucky if it was a kind of, you get one box of something a year. Um, I, and I remember the very first box of models I ever got bought were a box of Bretonian Bowman. Oh. I was like, yeah, I loved it. Loved, and, I've all, and I never, never, ever ended up actually playing Bretonians, even, kind of, <laughs> even when I got older and had my own money. It wasn't something that I ended up playing, and I really regret that to this day. So to get around it, I've been painting my um, Tully Cavaliers, like proper medieval heraldry. So in that little Bretonian, Bretonian knights feel. But yeah, so I, I couldn't, it wasn't something I could af afford to do as a, as a kid and a teenager, but I never, it was, ne it was always something that I was really interested in. I had a lot of friends that played, so I'd occasionally borrow armies or whatever and play like that. And then when I, I got to, you know, 2021, I started my undergraduate degree when I was 21 and I finally had some money of my own and I started buying in and I was playing Warhammer fantasy for quite a while and then i eventually sold out of that and really really into bolt action for a good few years and i still bolt action has a very warm place in my heart like i think it's an incredible game system and it's a kind of historical period that i really really enjoy um and i eventually when i came up to manchester where i am now to start my phd which was uh in 2016 um, there wasn't as much of a bolt action community here. So I kind of sold out of it again um, and started playing Magic the Gathering a lot, which again, I'd been really interested in as a teenager. Um, and again, never really had the money to play, but I got into Magic really heavily. And then recently, you know, in the last kind of six months, I was getting a little bit tired of Magic and I was like, I want to get back into tabletop gaming again. I'd been aware of, the, uh, of a Song of Ice and Fire miniatures game for a while. I'd been aware of it since around the time the Kickstarter finally released, but 
wasn't planning on getting into any tabletop games. <laughs> it's a bit of an investment, right? Sometimes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a bit of an investment. And obviously, you know, for, for a Song of Ice and Fire's credit, it is a relatively cheap system as far Very as they true. go. You know, we're not talking we're not talking Games Workshop here. Right. Certainly not a one and done thing, though. Could, but the the difference was obviously with 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 uh, bolt action and World War Two stuff. No one can copyright World War Two, right? So right. The, the model quality tends to be really really high at relatively affordable cost because they're competing with with every other model company. Right. The Song of Ice and Fire, obviously, there's licensing involved in that, which puts the price up a little bit, but I think it's still reasonable um, as far as game systems go. I'm sorry, you might be able to hear my dog clicking around here, buddy. The three sailors beagle has gotten a little bit of a reputation for <laughs> on a, you can always hear him on twitch streams he's like wandering around the room and drinking Aww. and stuff so you can probably hear him now he wants to go outside but he can wait for a bit we'll have to make sure we get um, proper credit in the title of the show two <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely um when it comes to games do you find that you're more of like a theme person or a mechanics person like what really oh. catches your eye like your eye when it comes to games I think I think it's it, it's both really. It depends on the game system. So bolt action, what really really got me was was the mechanics. You know that mm -hmm. order dice mechanic with you whack every you know, each each unit has its own order dice. You put every unit on the table's order dice into a bag and just draw them out randomly. So you have that kind of fog of war, chaos of battle thing going on. Yeah. Which I'm interested in, this is something we'll get onto later, but there's a, a new series of videos that we're going to be working on. And this is potentially something that can come up here. Um, but we'll get onto that later on. So with Bolt Action, it was absolutely the mechanics that got me interested in the game. And then I fell in love with, with the historical side of things. The Song of Ice and Fire, what obviously initially caught my eye was the fact that it was a Song of Ice and Fire. These are books I've been reading since I was, you know, 13 years old, so 17 years now. Um, I've been reading them for a long, long time, and that was what got me in. But then, kind of in the reverse of what happened to me with Bolt Action, seeing the kind of tactics deck side of things, the tactics zone, sorry, and the deck, com the combining of all those things, really, that's what really hooked me in. So the theme appealed to me, and the mechanics locked me into being, this is, this is a game that I'm going to buy into. And so you're talking about the books here. So uh, kind of more of a fan of the books than the show. I mean, a lot of times people come yeah, in. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so my thing was, I said, I spoke about this on Small Council Radio as well, but I think it's kind of worth mentioning here for how ridiculous it shows me of a person to be, right? I we started reading the books when I was 13. The first couple were already out at that point. And I was obsessed with them, utterly obsessed with them. Um, like I'm a big reader anyway, like I did my undergraduate in literature. So like, you know, reading is kind of my thing. Um, and I read these books and I was obsessed with reading them. And everyone I tried to get to read them, I was like, look, you need to read these books. They're great. And everyone was like, no, can't be bothered. Fantasy, don't care. But, you know, I just kind of gave up telling people. And then, then the show came out and suddenly everyone was an expert. And I was, they were like, George, you've got to watch this TV show. And I was like, no, I'm not going to watch it because you didn't want to read the books. <laughs> and so kind of stupidly, I didn't watch it for the first couple of series out of spite. I was like, no, I'm not going to watch it. I can't be bothered. And then my partner one day was like, look, everyone's talking about this show. Can we watch it? We give it a try. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Happy to do it. If you want to give it a try, you want to give it a try. And I was expecting to go in it being like, that's wrong. That's wrong. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. That person doesn't look like, they, look like they're supposed to, which I think could be leveled at a lot of the characters. But, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's, you know, no one expects a perfect adaptation. We watched the first two episodes and I said to her at the end of the second, what do you think? She's like, I hate it. I'm bored. I don't want to watch it we didn't we just didn't carry on um then eventually there was a period uh just after my master's degree where i was looking for a job for like eight weeks so it was 
still struggle to find some work. And so I just binge watched the first four series and, and I enjoyed it, right? I enjoy, I, I was like, go into it with an open mind. Things aren't going to be exactly how you expect them to be, but just go in and enjoy it. So I enjoyed the first four series and then, you know, hopefully I'm not giving away too many spoilers, but like I got to the start of the fifth series and when they had completely gotten rid of two really major characters and folded their stories into another character. I was like, nope, you've lost me again now. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. And so I've watched odd episodes from um, the last couple of series. Like I think um, the Long Night episode is really, really good. The Battle of the Bastards episode is really, really good. Oh, that's like, a classic a, one, yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of time for those episodes, but like it's not, I'm not as enamored with the series as a lot of other people yeah. And I, that's that's kind of fine for me. I can see where I can see where where it was really good, when it was really good. I can see the value, the good episodes in the later series, but it just wasn't for me at the end of it. Um, I got to that fifth series. I remember watching the first episode of the fifth series and be like, I just got genuinely angry. I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not doing it anymore. You've lost me. And it gets weird, right? It's like you know you're making content that is post book, like yeah. you know, it's like we don't have it written down yet, but we're making content, and it's like. Maybe the books are going that way. Maybe they're not. And like, well, this is the thing as well. So I've been, I've been rereading the books recently. Um, Cause you know, so when I got back into the, when I got into the game, I was like, right, I'm going to reread the books. Cause I want to be, you know, I want to, I, I loved them and I want to get back into them. And what I noticed was, was that the, the best lines in the TV show are directly out of the book, verbatim out of the book. And what it's, what it strikes me is that David Benahoff and DB Weiss or whatever their names, I think those are their names. Mm -hmm. Um, they are is is really good adapters and not very good creatives like coming up with new stuff like once they lost the thread of the books once <laughs> the books weren't there to draw on the lines aren't as snappy right because that's george rr R. martin's line you've just lifted straight out and that's fine because that, it's an adaptation like they lost it and obviously every a lot of people were really angry about the last series and i can't comment on that because i haven't watched it um, I've watched odd bits and pieces. You know, like I've watched the last <laughs> couple weird. of scenes. It's some, it's it some get, yeah, it gets a bit weird. What what does make me laugh though is everyone being like, "Oh my god, why did Daenerys burn the city down?" That's not her, as if they've ignored right. her entire, literally her entire character arc up until that point. Right. Well, I think what gets weird is the the series seemed to be like, we know we want to get to this point. And, you yeah. know, the first few seasons, like it's very nuanced and layered. And I think it's more just the speed at which it's like, from point A to point B. The show, the books will always be, <laughs> the books are the books are my anchor into, into the game rather than the show. And I know it's different for other people. And I know that will be an unpopular opinion for some people who have only seen the show. Like, you know, like I said, I've been reading those books for 17 years now. Some of them, the first three I've read maybe 10 or 12 times. Um, so, you know, that, 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 that's just where it is to me. It's rooted in the books. Right. Um, and obviously the game is adapting from the books rather right. than the show. So that stands me in good stead, I think. In this. Yeah. I mean, it's such a weird thing with the licensing, right? Where A Song of Ice and yeah, Fire is yeah. its own license and HBO owns all Game of Thrones things. Absolutely, sort of this yeah. weird gray area. But speaking yeah. of videos then, we'll make a transition <laughs> here. Uh, so you've been doing some amazing video content, YouTube and Twitch streaming. Um, if you guys haven't checked out sort of the deep dives you're doing on every faction and a lot of learn yeah. to play content, as well as your Twitch game coverage. Um, mm. For me, I find that, you know, often I learn a lot of things about the game from going through this sort of creative process. 
Has there been any yeah, like yeah. cool discoveries or lessons that you've learned along the way in in uh, making these videos? Oh, so for me, um, like as you know, as as I think everyone who's watched the content knows, I am still a new player, right? I'm in my kind of fourth month of playing now, and haven't oh, wow. played a phys- haven't played a game physically yet because my starter set arrived, and then the next day lockdown happened, so I haven't even played a physical game yet. All my experience has been on TTS. Do you think uh, that you, uh, you'll end up painting your miniatures? I, that, well, I was just about to say they are basically all already painted. That's I amazing. Painted my, I painted my my partner helps that my partner is not a war gamer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not her thing. But what she does enjoy doing is painting. What she did is she painted up the heroes because she likes spending more time on. She's the creative artistic one. She likes spending the time on one model and making it look really, really good and stand out. Whereas I am an unashamed batch painter. <laughs> so like, by your I, powers it's... combined. Yeah, my powers, yeah, our powers combined. We put those weird rings together and then there we go. We have a fully functioning army there. But I mean, I painted my Barath, the, the, the two units of Ordens, the Stag Knights and the, oh God, why have I forgotten the other name? I should know this. I'm a Baratheon player for God's sake. So you got your yeah, um, uh, Warden Sentinels? Sentinels, that's it, yeah, the Sentinels, which actually are some of my favorite models to paint. Um, I painted all of those in, if you combine it from base coating to, um, to doing the really basic bases, I did that whole box in eight hours. Oh, oh um, my gosh. I got, a system, I got a system going mad. Painting armor is the easiest thing in the world. It's just, you, know, <laughs> you put some, for, like, for any budding Baratheon painters out there, here's your tips. Buy yourself some Vallejo air silver metallic paint but use a paintbrush with it slap base coat your army in black slap that vallejo air silver metallic silver all over your models um and then paint the yellow that's going to take you the longest because it's yellow and it sucks to paint but you know it'll go a couple of layers of yellow and then dry brush it with with some ink that's it there we go. Looks, they're, they're, they're more than more than tabletop ready well that's so fun because you're gonna that's like a cool experience to, be able to sit down and like play your first in-person games and have like a painted army up that's awesome yeah yeah i mean i suppose it benefits me in the sense that i can't i can't go out and play there's no game shops open like right. i had nothing else to do but paint them i started doing the kind of content creation all i could do was sit and paint them like i'm looking over stuff stuff is all in a cupboard up so all the painted stuff is in a cupboard upstairs and i'm looking over like i'm sat in my kind of dining room area now looking over at what's not currently painted like my baratheon deluxe activation banners because i'm a sucker for an aesthetic and <laughs> nearly yeah. done some umber berserkers there that have been undercoated there's some targaryen activation banners that need base coating but yeah like i'm getting through the backlog i'd say of what i own I mean, all my baratheon stuff is painted um, other than these activation banners which just needs to be off my stark stuff is 90 percent painted now so yeah it's it's you know I, I used to hate painting i absolutely hated it and then i started when i was when i got into bolt action i was like no i'm gonna finish an army here and i started watching videos about how to how to do batch painting once mm-hmm. i did that i was like oh my god look at how good it looks to actually have a painted army and I can do it quickly. Like I'm no great painter. I'm not very good at it, but I can do basic stuff. And that's all it needs to be when you're standing a, you know, two right. foot away from it when it's on a table. It just needs to look good from that distance as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think it's important for people to remember that too. Like a lot of people come to this game from, since it kind of hits that nexus point of, you know, card mm-hmm. games, board games, tabletop board games, it's very accessible. A lot of people come in from a different background where they're not used to painting miniatures and you don't have to, but it, it does feel different it does look oh, it cool so when you good. have them painted yeah. up on the table it feels so good and like you know as someone who who played for a long time with in different games without having a painted army because i hated the painting <laughs> like, 
I don't really care if you paint your models or not. That's up to you or choice. And I don't, I know some people kind of shame people into, into, you know, like that they have a non-painted army. You know what? We all have other things going on. It takes time. Yeah. It can be painful, like sitting in the same chair for four hours. Like my hand gets all clawed up and my back <laughs> hurts. Just me being an old man, no doubt. Um, yeah, it's like, when you have it, when you, and especially if you've never had it before, putting that painted army on the table and seeing people be like, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Like, that feels really nice. Obviously, I have to give credit to my partner as well for helping out because she does an incredible job. Like, what she does in an hour, I couldn't do in three days. So, yeah, credit has to go to her for, for her incredible paint skill. That's amazing. Though. Yeah, now you're going to have to start working on her, uh, maybe picking up a faction. I'll just give a suggestion, oh, free folk, I, maybe. Mate, I've, maybe. Tried, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> just put it out I there. Don't know, I don't know what she'd go for, really. But she, I tr- believe me, I've tried so many times. And, like, she plays D&D with the group, with the group that I play with. Like, I, I've got a little D&D group that I DM for here. And... um. You can use those art. minis too, right? They're, yeah, um, exactly. Really yeah, crossover. Yeah. Um, but so we 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 used to play here, and you know, people would come over on a weekend, and we'd you know settle in for like a six-hour session or whatever. And she'd be she'd be we were doing like the Lord of the Rings one ring role-playing system, and she loves Lord of the Rings, but she was like, "Oh, role-playing so stupid. You guys are such nerds." Blah blah blah. And eventually, she sat and listened to a session. She was in the next room, and she was listening to us. And by the end of it, I, she was like, "Can I? Can I join in next time?" And I was like, "Of course, you can join in. I'd be, I'd be thrilled for you." Now she loves D and D. That's the danger of hanging out in the same room when these things are going on. You get sucked <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. Um, tabletop miniatures are, are a step too far for her at the moment, but I'm going to be working on it. Hopefully, we'll get her in. And so, you know, you, you were talking about how kind of four months you got kind of jumped into the game you've been making awesome content you know how did you become a content creator is that something you had experienced with in the past oh so it's it's weird really so like uh, i am a person that's lived many lives and one of those lives was i signed a record deal with my band when i was 16 years old um it was great and that's was amazing yeah it was, it was great it was like an indie record deal or whatever but like so it wasn't anything major but it you know I, it kept me going for for a while it was you know i'd been so me and my then best friend we started a band when we were 12 and it was me and him together through loads of different lineup changes and we got to 16 and we eventually signed this independent record deal and it was great um and that lasted till i was 19 and decided that i wanted to go to university and stuff um during that time i did all the management for the band so like i i I did our, all our gig booking. I did all our tax returns. I did all this different stuff. All, you know, all our studio sessions I booked in and all the, all the kind of management stuff that you come along with. So what I am is a facilitator, right? I facilitate things. I'm kind of used to doing it. I've got, you know, experience in promoting stuff. I've got experience in running events. I've got experience in how to produce things in a way that gets people interested and in, in going out and looking at things. As you know, because we've discussed before, I'm also like a teacher. I'm an academic. Well, I'm an out of work academic at the moment because of coronavirus. But like, I spent last three years during my PhD teaching, and I worked in a secondary school for a year, like a high school for a year. Um, and that's what that's where my real passion lies. So being able to combine all of these things into content creation has been really, really good. And I've always, it's been weird. I've always wanted to like be a voice in a community if that makes sense and like i was in magic the gathering and that was too big magic is too big and too established for anyone really to and occasionally you'll see people break in but that wasn't something that i was going to be able to do then i got into a song of ice and fire and the community was so welcoming and 
big enough that it needs new content creators, but not too big that there's right. already too many, if that makes sense. Obviously, we've got you are the pinnacle of what we have here, right? On the table gaming is what? <laughs> oh, for sure, man. That. Like, I think, I, uh... no, I think so. I, th- I would I would say that you make the biggest, from my experience at least, you make the biggest impact. Your content was the... W- what's so funny was like, you know, when we started out, we were actually talking with some old buddies. It's like, there was basically yeah. nobody making content, you know? So that was the same thing. I was like, I wanted to learn how to make videos. And I was like, well, let me, let me try and put this up. And then it was like, well, I had to pay for this thing. And it had a podcast audio thing. I was like, let me try to do that too. But I think what's, what's so cool is we're seeing, this is sort of the era of like the game starting to pick up. Like, honestly, I think so. Yeah, when I, I started, so. I was like, I don't know if this game's going to make it. Like we got to get people aware of this. And so we're finally getting to that point where it's kind of like, I think it's ready to explode. I think so. But like in this, in this, you're the OG in this, like your content was the first content I found. I was choosing my faction. It was on the table gaming that I went to, to look at, because I wanted, I wanted to get the Baratheons, but I wasn't sure. And then like your faction breakdown for the core set was where I, that was like, right, that's it. I'm going to go for Baratheons. I saw you doing this and I saw the NRG guys doing their stuff on Twitch and that got me, I've always wanted to do Twitch stuff. So that got, that gave me the, the, the baseline for that me the baseline for video and youtube production um, yeah and obviously my my kind of videos at the moment are kind of like video podcasts because i'm not appearing on camera at the moment but we're rectified um like so you gave me the inspiration for that the nrg guys and the song of ice and fire stats guys gave me the um impetus for um for, uh, the, the twitch stuff and the small council radio guys are really influential uh. and i was like i want this is what i want to do and where's the niche where where is not being served at the moment and this is not a criticism of anyone because obviously everyone was doing their thing and doing it really really well and i was like right the beginner stuff yeah chase, i was like chase is doing some kind of short form stuff for beginners and that's really really good but like we need that there's there's room for like really going into all in on the beginner stuff so i was like that's what i'll do i'm a beginner i'm learning to play and the best thing is like there is an insatiable demand for content right and as the community grows oh, man. yeah absolutely. there's just more so it's it's you know if people are thinking about it you know, now's the time to to make content and this is what kind of what I'm hoping to do as well, right? So my my stuff is not just for beginners learning to play the game, hopefully, but beginners trying to get into content creation. I said this to the small council radio guys, like, hopefully I'm showing that it can be, if you decide you want to do it, you can do it. And it doesn't just have to be content as well. It's going out. One of my big things is about building your community. My political stuff, my social stuff, and my gaming stuff is about lifting your community up with you. And way you one of the ways you do that is not necessarily just by content creation, but go to your game store, find, start running demo games, get three other people involved, and then suddenly you've got a community. And if you're if you're in a city like I am, those three or four people can be your tournament organizers, and suddenly you've got people coming in from all over the region, even if it's only ten or fifteen people for your first tournament. In three years' time, those ten or fifteen people in one tournament become a hundred people in. One and that's the like, dream man right and then that's, the you know, dream. that's it that's exactly the dream and so for me three sales there are players in manchester already um but there, there aren't that many of us and obviously i haven't had a chance to meet any of them properly yet because we've not been allowed out um but i'm hoping that three sales becomes a platform for the local scene as well as for the the global community it gives yeah. us it gives us a platform on which to grow and build things other than Absolutely. just being a group of people who who meet up once once a fortnight or once a month or whatever to play it becomes something that we can rally around basis to organize events off of so you know it's it that's what i'm saying about lifting your community up with you everything you do this is like this is basically my life philosophy and it applies i I apply it to every single thing i'm involved with whether that's work and academia or research or whatever or gaming anything should always 
when you think about want to do something always think about how you can include other people how can you get other people up to the level that you've just got yourself up to by starting something 100 percent. i feel like that's that's a great because that's always been sort of our philosophy here we've been trying to work to to build the community up and and uh you know i think that's what the values of this community are i think it's really reflective yeah, absolutely absolutely uh, i think you know that you guys you, you know on the table gaming is a primary example of this you guys what you're at like two and a half thousand subscribers on youtube now you've got the podcast as well these are incredible resources man my numbers have been good in this first month right i'm not denying that but no you've been you've been i think you're one of the i think you're one of the brightest stars actually oh i I really appreciate that i mean it's like i put i'm putting some work into it i'm passionate about it and i care about it but i couldn't have done this without the support of loads of people from the community this is like all of our game we're all part of it and if we want to keep playing, we have to bring new exactly. players in. Absolutely. Have to keep bring because if 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 suddenly you know Simon or a business, and if they stop seeing new players, if they stop seeing new uptake, we'll stop supporting the game, and that's it. We're done. Then we've got right. what we've got, and we can keep playing. And then it will it will do that slow, inevitable decline that games do when they stop being supported. Exactly. Um, but, you know, and I think the big thing you're talking about before, too, is about content creation is key because it's great to go and like be able to watch stuff. But then also like the local like boots on the ground, yeah, know, that's yeah, where yeah, the yeah. change and that's where the, the 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 more lasting growth can actually be. Absolutely. And I think I, I, I've, I've said I said before, I think I was saying it to the small council guys, but I know I've said it on stream at one point as well, is that um, the games that are going to survive this period of lockdown and it's going to be far longer than we expected it to be be much longer than we expected it to be the games that are going to survive this are the games that pivot onto things like tts quickly and well we have done that as a community and you know i can take no credit for that it's just something that i've then ended up kind of getting into and supporting um like nrg and a song of ice and fire stats with their tour with running that first tournament online have really really done us a favor once once we get back to our local game stores once we get back to our play spaces that's going to be really important and it's going to feel really, really good. But we shouldn't lose the fact we now have an online community as well. Keeping TTS going, keeping, because like I'm not really in a position once we, well, certainly not at the moment, but when, when, when game stores reopen, I'm not going to be in a position where I'm able to do physical battle reports that I upload to YouTube. I don't have good enough equipment for it. I don't have reliable space. There's not necessarily a reliable scene enough around here at the moment. But what I can do is keep doing TTS content. I think it's going to be really important that we're, we're making sure we do both and doing both well is uh, there, there are other people already gorilla miniatures already do really good physical battle right. reports. Blitz minis already do really good physical battle reports. They, they were the content I was relying on. When I first started to see what the game played like and they'll continue doing that. And I think it's really important that they do. Whereas people like me, I can help with the online stuff, keeping that online play going. And I think that's going to be really, really important. And I'm happy to play my role in that. Absolutely. So, you know, you've got, you've got all these cool things you've been working on. I do want to talk about your charity streams and then let's talk yes, about, yeah. you know, any cool things people should be aware of coming up in the works. Talk to me a little about your, your, your Twitch streams here. All right. So we, um, the, the really surreal thing about this and the fact that, you know, I'm talking to you, who's one of the big voices in the community. I'm collaborating with other expert players. Is this, my YouTube channel isn't even a month old at this point. Like it, it turns a month old in two days time. Like I'm not even eligible for a YouTube URL yet, simply because we're not old enough. Wow. 
it's not even the numbers. It's just, it's literally just time. Yeah, you need 100 subscribers. That's crazy. I'm 240 something. And that's right what now. I mean. Like, you've been blowing up. I think it took, sometimes it takes people like years to get those numbers. Oh, I mean, yeah, this is what I was really, I mean, and I'm, I'm so grateful to every single person that subscribed on YouTube, everyone that watches those videos. I like, I am just shocked by how quickly it's gone. Um, yeah, so in two days' time, we'll be 30 days old. Like, three Sales Gaming will be 30 days old at that point. So I, on Twitch, we hit affiliate status earlier on this week as we're recording. So affiliate status, you have to have 50 followers, which is the hardest thing to get. The rest is just like how long and how often have you been streaming? Mm-hmm. We hit affiliate status, which means people could start subscribing. It means we could start monetizing the channel. Um, and like I said, I'm not in this to make any money myself, though it would be handy as an unemployed academic at the moment. Like right. I'm not here to be like, as far as, again, political stuff, social stuff, any money that is generated from a community should go back into that, right? And so at the moment, the only way that I can make any money for the channel, because YouTube monetization is, is you know, that's 750 subscribers away that I'm not, I can't count on that for a long time yet. Um, but but Twitch is a, is a means that we can monetize the channel. I can start buying better equipment. I could buy a webcam, for example, um, and start appearing on camera, doing stuff on, like appearing on stream physically, which, you know, helps with, um, engagement and stuff but well you'll be there in no f- time uh, yeah, so I guess, you know you know i mean really seriously you're you're doing great stuff great content things are going really well love the stuff you're putting out incredible yeah yeah um, well you know like i said i'm an ideas guy and i like following through on the ideas yeah. but the, the idea that i had with this with with twitch was all right well you know obviously what's happening i say in the states but it's ha- obviously it happens all around the world all the time um, you know, this this like horrific state violence, this white supremacy is something that we all have to stand against. I've said it on stream and I've said it on, on other podcasts before. Like I am a committed anti-racist. Um, and like the way you do anti-racism is by acting. It's not enough to be not racist. You have to be anti-racist right. and that requires action. And so, so I went to, um, I was at a Black Lives Matter protest here in Manchester yesterday and I was planning on doing a stream streaming brett's assault on river on tournament game out anywhere and i was like right well let's put I, i'd already made some personal donations myself i was like right let's let's let the community see if we can do some stuff here so short notice i was like right charity stream um all new subscribers during this stream all the money i make from that will go into the donation this month and then half of all twitch bits they go into donations as well within the, i think the first three minutes of the stream we already had our first donation came in come in we hit a hype train really quickly We've ended up donating $25, which isn't, it doesn't sound like much, but it's $25 that we've been there bit. before. Yeah, yeah. And every little bit helps. And that's, that's community money. Community has come together and a few people from the community gave that money out of their pockets and it then goes together collectively. That's amazing. So I can, if, yeah, if I can facilitate that, that is what I want to be doing. So I think this is going to become a, a kind of semi-regular thing. Like I'll probably depend on you know depend on scheduling and stuff but charis charity streams and i don't even like to use the term charity right because charity is hierarchical this is solidarity this is us standing in solidarity with our communities it's not this isn't money being given from above down to people who who are like needy and deserving this is communities giving to communities on an equal horizontal level we see people in trouble we see people in need um and that those are the people we help because those, those people could be us we are those people they are standing on the street so this is what we do we give horizontally rather than vertically so that's a solidarity stream so absolutely this is something yeah this and is something we're going to be doing more of for sure absolutely that's amazing and let us know we can we can blast stuff out i mean it's stuff you know i'd really appreciate people that, need man. to I'll see make sure you know when they come out 
And obviously, Delhi, this time it was like impromptu. It was like, yeah. right, like an hour before. Like, this, this is, is what works, we're going right? to do. Yeah. yeah. But so next, I will make sure that at least once a month, we're doing these charity streams and the whole community can be made aware of them. You know, like we're a big community, man. Like if you look at the Facebook pages, seven and a half thousand people, seven and a half thousand people gave a dollar. Yeah. So that is, that's a huge amount of money. So, you know, it's, it's something that we're definitely going to keep doing. And it's something that I'm committed to doing that our community should be as diverse and as inclusive as, as possible. And that we should be giving, not only we should be opening up to as many people as we can, we should be supporting as many people. 100%. It's heartwarming to see so many like-minded people in the community. I don't know. Yeah. I've been, su- I've been surprised, man. Like, because gamers, sometimes, you know, we've all been there, right? We've all been to that game store where you walk in and it's just aggressive and horrible. And like, it's like these misogynistic guys in there who don't want anything to do with women. Or if you're a queer person or if you're a person of color, they're like it's so insular and off-putting for people. Like, my partner came with me. The, the game store I go to, that I've been, I went to to play Magic, is incredible. It has like a global reputation. I just give it a shout out because they deserve it. It's Fanboy 3 in Manchester have a global reputation for their commitment to diversity to the point where which they got some A Song of Ice and Fire stock in and I shared it out on the Facebook page. And a guy from, a guy from Singapore said to me, oh, I've heard of Fanboy 3. They're really good. Their, their owner says all these really great things about diversity. And I was like, yeah. This guy, Dave, who owns it is incredible. And he's put out a statement about Black Lives Matter that's an actual statement rather than just these like corporate bullshit things. Right. He's actually taking a stand and he makes a stand for trans rights. He makes takes a stand for women's rights. And it's incredible. And I'm always happy to give them a shout out when it's where I'm going to be doing my demo games in the future when we're open up again. Um, it's, it's so nice to see the community respond so well to these things because as someone with my politics, like my politics are so, are so far left it's like my left leg has been blown off and I've fallen over. Well, like, so, you know, and these aren't even politics issues, right? These are like human rights. Yeah, like, this is it. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> like, yeah, that's so, they're not politics, they're social issues. Right? So like, I, you know, I think I've said to you, I said to you when we, when you came and did the free folk overview that like, I come at the idea, my life is like a piece of anarchist propaganda. <laughs> and like what that means is lifting your community up. It means, you know, it means struggling against systems of oppression where you can, and the community can do that. Absolutely can do that. Even if you don't agree with my own personal politics on this, you must understand that this this state violence, that it's affecting one community at the moment, but there's no reason why it can't be turned on the rest of us once they're out of the way. Well, I think it's safe to say that we will not be going back to what it was like before March, before COVID, and we We hope that wherever we're going is in the right direction. Um, but it's and it's up to us to shape that direction, right? Because my research, I've just finished my PhD. I'm waiting for my thesis defense. What's what's weird is that so I study. Uh, I'm an American studies PhD. Well, PhD student, hopefully soon to be doctor. Um, but like my research is on urban riots and police violence in the U.S. in the 1960s and 70s. I'm like, so I've spent the last three and a half years writing and researching this mm-hmm. thing and literally seeing it come to life again. Like nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is that we see it more easily now. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I'm literally watching this stuff come come to life. And I'm not, I'm not putting my own voice out there because I, I'm a white person who shouldn't be um, hovering over black voices in this, in this instance. I'm supposed to, I'm here to lift those, to amplify those voices. Um, but when it comes to it, this this thesis is eventually going to become a book, and the introduction of that book is going to be this is what was happening when you know when I was defending this piece of work. So 
No, it's 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 so str- i mean i say it's strange to see it but like as someone who researches it you right. know that this never went away right so it's more visible now um so so yeah it's well, you it's know, also inspiring to see you know you're taking theory and putting it into practice and using it to help push for positive change in the world that's anarchism for you man we call it praxis <laughs> <laughs> But this is it. So for me, like, you know, my personal politics and stuff, and maybe, you know, I, I have a tendency to overshare, which I probably have done already. But, you know, like anarchism for me, is it's not one of my favorite quotes is from uh, from an anarchist um, or from an anarchist academic. And she said, um, anarchism is not something you are. It's something that you do. Mm-hmm. It's an active doing process. And so me doing the content has an anarchist element to it. It's bringing the community and it should be open and accessible and as 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 easily get into and easily understandable as it can be. That's not a criticism on anyone else for, for not by a long stretch, but it just, it, that all I'm saying is that informs what I do at its very core in every single piece of my life. So my content creation should be no different. That. It should be no different to that whatsoever. It should be open and accessible and helping to lift people. Hopefully is what it's doing. I think it certainly is. Um, well, just, yes, yeah, I mean, shout outs to all the other content creators as well. Just every, the, everyone has been so inspiring and so helpful. Like the people that have been coming on to do the faction deep dives with me have been absolutely incredible. You included big well, names. Thank you in for the, the invite. <clears throat> oh, mate, my pleasure. I was like, yes, I've got a proper scalp here getting chased to come on. And do oh this. my, it's, it's so weird to hear people say that, but <laughs> I, 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 I guess I appreciate it. Uh, hey, you're A-list celebrity in the I, community. No, yeah. I'm just a guy in his basement here. So I've got a... <laughs> You know, but uh, yeah, no, I, I appreciate, I really do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to collaborating and, and, uh, you know, I can't wait to, to see some of your future uh, charity streams continue on. And I just think, you know, what you're doing is so great. And I, I was so excited when you were willing to come on here to talk about it. Thanks, my wife. Well, you know, you've, you've let me sit here and vent for 45 minutes. So it no. feels good. It's, it's great. I really right appreciate on. it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm looking forward to, to you know, talking with you in the future and seeing your future content. And in the meantime, I hope you get your miniatures on the table.